The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. to the two-man power trip of wrestling with a special feature presentation here also brought to you by prowrestling.net and vince russo's the brand have a very very special two guests with me today and of course the wrestling journalist favorite of mine one of the best mr jason powell from prowrestling.net and of course the man behind the attitude era in the wwf the man behind the russo's brand mr vince russo welcome in guys how are you guys doing today bro Hey, I beat him to the punch, man. I can take that to my grave. Well, you know, the only reason you beat me to the punch, Jason, because I'm listening to John and I'm like, when did when did John become Jiminy Glick? Bro, very high, very high pitch, John, at the beginning of that intro, bro. Got to get the voice going, you know. I got to get it, get it, get it ready. Come on, John. I got to tell you, when you when you told me, will you do a show with Jason Powell? Bro, I literally jumped through my screen because I've been trying to do a show with Jason for a long time. I am a fan of Jason. Jason is a huge favorite in the brand. We play his clips on castrating the marks and they pop us all the time. We see we play Jason's clips out of comedy. That's why we play Jason's clips. They pop us all the time. I know, you know, Jason is in the, in a tough position. If he talks to Vince Russo, does he lose, you know, 35, 40 friends? I totally understand that. So I didn't want to push the envelope. But Jason, it is my honor and privilege to finally be able to speak to you. 
Wait a minute. I, I thought this was Vince Brusso. Nobody told me it was Russo. I, no, it's it's great to be here. John's like Switzerland for us. I, I'm hoping yeah. we can do this, and then uh, nobody can pin, piss and moan and whine and complain. But I'm sure somebody will. Yeah, I'm sure he will. But John, seriously, I really, really thank you, man, because I've been uh, I've been dying to talk to Jason for a long time, man, Jason. Ye- decades ago, disco always, always put you over to me because I know, you know, you also cover sports and I know you, you also cover football. And, you know, way back, I mean, years and years ago, disco always used to put you over to me. That That's how I got to know who you are. I think it's because I gave him the advice on um Megatron back in the day, uh, the, the Lions receiver. He, he, he used to reach out to me once a year. It was about the only time I'd hear from Disco is once a year, right before fantasy football season. And, and I got, uh, I nailed Randy Moss his first year with the Patriots as being like the number one receiver. And I think he saw that and then decided he needed to reach out. But I must have gone wrong somewhere because it's been a few years since he's actually checked in about well, fantasy you know, football. Let, let, let's be honest. Disco is the kind of guy that uses people. You know, you, you help him out, you do him <laughs> and you don't hear from him for five years. That's the character of the Disco Inferno. I just did Conan's podcast with him and yeah, yeah, people are giving him shit on Twitter about like, are you going to let the guests speak? But (laughs) I I don't think they made it far enough because as Conan pointed out, once we stopped talking about disco, he got just like eerily quiet. Uh, Jason, I have to deal with that every single week. (laughs) I have never, I know wrestlers like to talk. I mean, I do. I've been around enough of them. But, man, that guy just loves the sound of his voice, man. He's a good shit. I, I like Disco quite a bit. Yeah. He uh, he just I just sent Jeff a clip. Lash LaRue. I just talked to Lash. He had a lot of nice things to say about Disco. So I hope uh, you could play that for Glenn this week on the show. Yeah, he's, li- he's probably lying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting just to get you guys together. And obviously, you know, on the brand, you play uh, Jason's clips, but obviously more comedy. The glory hole thing was hilarious. I mean, the, the stuff you play on there is very funny. You could say, I Brian, have, Alvar- matter of fact, I, I have a roadcaster and Uh-oh. Jason is a clip on my roadcaster. So even when I'll, I'll just randomly bring Jason's voice up on shows that I do. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, you'll you'll say um, Brian Alvarez is also funny, but he's nowhere near as funny as, as Jason Powell, uh, obviously. No, no, nowhere not, close. Not, not, not even close, yeah. bro. Not even close. So what do you consider, Vince? What do you consider, Jason? Wrestling journalist? I know that you were laughing when they were said that some of them said they were part of the wrestling media. What do you consider him, then? What would you say he is? What do I consider Vince Russo? No, no. Uh, Vince, what do you consider Jason? Well, first of all, let me uh, let me uh, let me let me ask Jason. Like just give me some fucking popcorn. Okay. <laughs> all the time on the show, Jason. I just, just the, give me some fucking popcorn. See, I just hit the <laughs> there you are. Bro, I love Jason. Bro, here's the problem I have with these dirt sheet writers in general. In general, because a lot of it are generalities, bro. But number one on my list is Bro, they just take everything so damn seriously. Everything. And that's why Jason got so over on our show. Because, I mean, we would play clips from Jason that were just so damn funny. So, I mean, I honestly, man, I didn't even, I don't even kind of look at Jason in that 
wrestling category. He is a very, very entertaining broadcaster. And I mean, that's how I look at him. The 50 bucks is in the mail, man. I appreciate this. <laughs> no, I mean that, bro. I mean, when you get into some of your stories and some of them, you know, are lengthy, I mean, they're funny. So I, I just think Jason is a very, very entertaining podcast. I think you must be getting it from the Q&A show. That's where I just kind of let the guard down. And it's the, the members will submit their wrestling questions. And on the back end of things, that's when we get into the non-wrestling. And it's just like anything goes. It's always not safe for work. And just have some fun. You know, I mean, that's, look, there's a time to be serious. You know, uh, the death of Pat Patterson, obviously, is one, right. just, you know, just as an example. Right. But why not, you know, just let the guard down and have some fun once in a while. Yeah, and, and bro, that that's a big message in, in the castrating the marks. It's just like, guys, like, light in up it's it's wrestling man it's it's a form of entertainment that's all it is it's not life and death i'm not gonna hate you if you disagree with me it's just like man lighten up and that's why every time you know we pop in a jason clip it's like a breath of fresh air because you know jason i'm not kissing your ass or maybe i am but bro you got a great sense of humor I appreciate that a lot. But at the same time, like you say, it's not life and death and you got to add some humor. Did you watch last night's Raw? Good yeah. Lord. Yes, I did. Yes, oh, my God. See, it's things like that that just bring out the worst in me. Like, if, <laughs> if it's a good show, I'm happy to write about it. I'm happy to talk about it. If it's a bad show like that was where there's just no hope. You know, I can live with a bad episode. Not every show is going to hit. Even The Mandalorian had kind of a eh, episode for you know one show this year. But there's no hope. You just look at that brand, and there's there's no big card to play. Like SmackDown played the Roman heel turn. Raw's got nothing going on. I mean, you have Orton and Wyatt in the main event thing, and, and it's kind of compelling. I still have no idea who they want us to share. I, I can live with it, whatever. It's at least compelling. I, I like McIntyre a little bit, what they're doing with Sheamus. And then the rest of the show is just in free fall mode. You know, Jason, my heat with Raw, I'll tell you where it comes from. Listen, I don't criticize creative and storylines because, bro, I've been on the other end of that for 20 years. And at the end of the day, a storyline creative, it's all subjective. So some people may love something. Some people may hate it. It's subjective. Every person is going to view something differently. So I don't hammer the storylines. The thing I hammer that um, really saddens me uh, and depresses me is the lack of effort. That's what pisses me off. During the Attitude Era, I know what we put into that show. And I know between Ed and myself, it was our blood, it was our sweat, it was our tears. We agonized over that show week after week after week. Our name was on it. So we always, our best foot is going forward. Next week, we're going to write a better show than this week. So I know what it takes. And that's the one thing, Jason, that really pisses me off 
it looks like this show was written Monday afternoon at about four or five o'clock. And I'm not talking about the performance of the wrestlers in the ring. Right. Wrestlers are blue collar workers. I don't care who you are. They're always going to bust your ass, their ass in the ring. I'm talking about presentation i'm talking about you know vignettes in the back where where nothing is said i'm talking about matches that are repeated over and over and over again i'm talking about 40 minutes of packages this show literally is them just filling three hours because of their contractual obligation with usa network And as a wrestling fan, that freaking pisses me off because I'm sitting here at home and I'm like, can you guys at least try at at least make believe you're trying? The effort is horrible. You've been there, but it's been a long time. Do you think like, let's just hypothetically, you and I'd go back tomorrow. Do you really think you could get through to Vince McMahon, who's the guy who makes all these last minute changes during the show changes. Is, is there any way to get through to him at, at his age now? That that's a great question. You know, Jason, because let's face it, man, I haven't been around Vince in 20 years, but I, I could tell you this. I'm not the kind of guy that is going to be, you know, yes, sirring Vince. I had I had several verbal altercations with Vince because I disagreed with him. And I was never worried to do that because I know Vince knew I was so passionate because I cared. I wasn't passionate to get my way or to prove I was right and he was wrong. Vince knew I was passionate because I cared. And I mean, if I was there now, I would just be looking some of these things and I would just be saying like, Vince, like what, what, what are you doing? Like Jason, I don't know if you know this or not. You probably do because you know, you, you get the news, you know, that that's part of your job. I really don't pay attention to it. But here's here's a perfect example. Last week's Raw show, the they they tell us in the very first segment that Randy Orton has found um uh, Bra- uh the Fiend's weakness and that's Alexa Bliss. They tell us that in the first segment of the show. He he you know, he has Bliss in his arms, then he hands Bliss back to the Fiend. Oh, okay, now now I know your weakness. Okay, great. We come to this week not only is that story not followed up, but Alexa, Alexa Bliss is nowhere to be found. You guys know where Alexa Bliss was? I actually do. Yeah. John, she's shooting a Punky Brewster reboot. In- <laughs> now, now, if I'm working I- there, if I'm working there, I'm arguing with Vince. I- I'm saying to Vince, Vince, what about Raw? You know, what about the show? This, this, this show is the backbone of everything that happens in this company. There's seven days in a week to shoot freaking Punky Brewster. You're going to take her out of this show after what we did last week? That's what I would be saying. Well, and did they not know last week that she'd be filming this? I mean, of they, course. And Jason, and and if they did, and you know they did, here's what you do: you film something last week, right? They're too lazy, bro. They're too lazy to do that. 
I mean, you can't get this man to commit to anything. And I think that's the problem. So that's where I do have sympathy for the creative team members is just, you can't get him to commit on the day of the show, let alone a week in advance, but you're absolutely right. There's no reason other than Vince that that shouldn't have happened. I mean, most of what Alexa does is out of the ring anyway. They right. they easily could have made it seem like she was there last night. But Bro, can we, we talk for a second about a fucking punky Brewster remake or reboot? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's you know like that's my issue, G- guys. I got to tell you, I'm not bullshitting you. When I was there, the show was done on Thursday. On Thursday afternoon, I'm calling Rock, I'm calling Austin, I'm calling Hunter, I'm preparing them for what they're going to do on Monday. Now, Friday, they can call me back, a little back and forth, a little feedback. Guys, when we showed up at that building, we did the show that was written. Nothing got changed. Nothing. Maybe a tweak here or a tweak there. We did the show that was written. I don't know how it has turned into this complete cluster where, yeah, bro, this show was written about 40 minutes ago and we all can see it. What do you think of Paul of X booking with NXT? Do you see a lot of that? I got to be honest with you. I I don't watch NXT because it's way too much wrestling for me to watch. I mean, between AEW and Raw, I watch seven hours and I just refuse to add any more to that. Um, But, I, you know, so many people and maybe it's just bad timing, Jason, but a lot of people like I don't watch NXT. And they say to me, Vince, you got to watch NXT. You got to watch NXT. So then I'll give in. And like every three months, okay, let me put on an episode of NXT. And bro, maybe my timing is just the shits. But every time I put on an episode of NXT, it's not a good episode. And it never brings me back the next week. So I've maybe seen five episodes of NXT. Fair enough. Where are you on Tony Khan's booking with AEW? Oh, God, bro. I swear to God, bro, I am a bit. And Jason, you'll appreciate this. You're into sports, John. I don't know if you're into fantasy sports. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm a big fantasy baseball player. Yeah. And that that's what I feel like Tony Khan is fantasy booking. I feel like, you know, he they spent all this money. He's got this roster. And literally, the guy is just fantasy booking. It's very hard for me to relate with AEW because money is not a factor. Tony Khan is not in this to make money because if you look at this, you'll be like, bro, you're never going to make money doing this. But I guess for a billionaire, it doesn't matter. And for all we know, AEW could be a tax write-off. We don't know. But I'm I'm seeing a guy, just a grown adult, just fantasy booking with wrestlers on a roster, and it's only going to appeal to a very small niche audience. They've done nothing to grow their audience over the first year, And that's what tells me 
Obviously, money isn't a motivation. The more people that are watching your show, the more money you're going to make. It's that simple. In his defense, I mean, they did just sign Sting. You can say what you want about it being 2020 and 61-year-old Sting. It's a move. They brought in FTR. They, you know, there, there have been moves made with the intention of growing that audience, clearly. I, I'm easier on his booking than you are. I, I like a lot of what I see there. I don't think it's perfect by any means, and I think he gets a free pass from too many places when it comes to some of the booking and, and just uh, AEW in general. But I do. I, I have been impressed for a first-year booker. I, I guess you maybe you can speak to this, Vince. What happens, not that you're going to know what he's going to do, but put yourself in that position. Like first year, everything's great. Maybe second year, same thing. Burnout usually kicks in. Memphis for years, rotated bookers, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Lawler back and forth because of that fatigue. And we don't know if that's going to happen with Tony Khan, but if it does, do you think he's going to have the discipline to say, I need to step aside and let somebody else do this? Absolutely not. Listen, I I could tell you this, Jason, and this is why I don't get involved in, you know, really indie wrestling and stuff like this. The reason why I don't, bro, is the money guy always wants to be the booker. Always. That's why I don't get involved, because I know if you call me, bro, you want to be the booker. So just book the show. And no, bro, I I don't see that ever changing. I mean, bro, listen, Jason, I respect your opinion and I understand it. Bro, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy. So we're looking at a show now. We're going on 14, 15 months. I I have not seen a growth in the audience. And that's what I'm looking at. When you look at that combined number, between AEW and NXT, bro, it's the same every single week. It's 1.5 million people. Those are the people that watch wrestling. It goes back and forth depending on what's on what show. But has there been an increase in that overall audience? The answer is no. And I think 14 months is a hell of a lot of time to increase that audience. It is a pandemic. You know, I mean, we do have to give them the benefit of the doubt to some extent. It's just like I give WWE. I mean, everybody's numbers are down a little bit. I hear what you're saying. I think they do need to be focused more on growing that audience rather than playing to their hardcore audience. I think that's a mistake they make at times. But I do think for a first-year booker, who, by the way, I mean, I don't, I don't know the guy, but I mean, so I don't know, I don't know people within his other business ventures, but I mean, this it's pretty damn impressive when you think about this guy booking a wrestling show, running the analytics department for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and running this Fulham soccer club. I mean, I can't even imagine trying to do any of that, let alone all of it. Well, but at the end of the day, how successful is he at doing all that? I mean, that's what you have to look at. Yes, Jason, it's impressive that he's doing all that. But I mean, bro, if if you're doing all those jobs at like a 50 percent capacity because so much is on your plate. Right. Then how successful are you really going to be? Bro, like he isn't. Here's a perfect example. Like I, I look at Pritchard. 
and and I look at the WWE and and me personally, I'm like, bro, how the hell are you doing a podcast? <laughs> like, like Bruce, like, are there not enough problems? In that company, we see what the numbers are and, you know, we we, we see, you know, the situation with uh, Selena Vega and, you know, they're not allowed to go on. So we see a lot of chaos and turmoil, but yet you still have time to do a podcast that blows my mind. So, you know, again, bro, he is doing a lot of things. But he obviously is not doing them to his full potential because he's doing too many things. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I wish I had some insight as to what people within the Fulham Soccer Club and within the Jaguars, are they sitting there going, it's nice that he's doing all this, but we're not getting his full attention, or are they perfectly content? It's just, it's hard to say without knowing anyone in those organizations. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. And Jacksonville right now is 1-10, in 10, and supposedly last year was the only NFL team that didn't make money. So, I mean, uh, maybe he's not doing a good job with the Jaguars or not focusing enough on the Jaguars. They almost beat my Vikings. I, it was like the, <laughs> the first time in years I haven't felt good about a Vikings win. What a crap game. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hey, the Giants are in first place, though. I'm happy about that. Yeah, who saw yeah. that coming? Yeah, they played the game this past week. I think everyone assumed, like, all right, it'll be Cowboys and Eagles, and here it's Washington and and, and the Giants that are fighting over first place. Yeah, crazy. You know what's interesting though? You guys talked about Punky Brewster before. Are they even going to promote this thing? They didn't promote Sasha Banks being in the Mandalorian. They didn't well, promote Xavier Woods. I found out about that, though, John, they can't promote Sasha Banks and the Mandalorian because of restrictions from the Star Wars franchise. So so they can't promote that. Oh, wow. I don't understand, bro, what they're doing with the video game, because, bro, it seems like ever they ever since they came out representing, I think it's gear Four, bro, they've beaten New Day like every single week. So like what? Like I don't I don't get that marketing. I mean, this was a big deal. This was probably a big money deal. Why are you beating these guys every single week? Because I bet Vince doesn't understand it. You're right. You're right, Jason. You're absolutely right. Yep. And and the weird thing, I, I just grumbled about this last night. The way they beat them, like last night, Kofi wins one over Shelton Benjamin. And then he has they have to work in the leg injuries. So when Cedric Alexander beats Kofi, it doesn't mean anything because we know that Kofi was hurt. It's like nobody gains anything from this. Yep. Yep. They did. They did. You know, usually they, they, they started doing 50-50 booking month to month. Then they went week to week. Now they're doing 50-50 booking segment to segment. Oh, Raw's just insufferable. I, I mean, I'm optimistic because they were able to turn SmackDown around, and I didn't think that was going to happen. But – I, I mean, I just look at that, the, what's happening on that roster, and I don't see that quick fix. It's like I always try to stay optimistic, I should, should say, but it's ugly, man. Uh, McIntyre was the right choice for, to be the top guy, in my opinion, but you're not lining up anyone. AJ Styles is getting this title shot, and he's acting like a clown. Yep. Yep. Same thing. Sheamus. Okay, bro. Like, am I to forget Sheamus just lost to Matt Riddle? Right. Like that, that's the thing, bro. It's like, okay, they, they make the decision. We're going to go with Seamus, bro. You got to build that guy for a year to build his credibility back up. He just lost to Matt Hardy and Riddle. So we're supposed to believe now he can beat Drew McIntyre. It, it doesn't work that way, bro. When do you think that match is going to happen? 
Sheamus and McIntyre, because I'm all for dragging it out. You got to establish Sheamus, make him mean something. I have no desire to see that at WrestleMania. They're not going to wait that long, are they? I don't. I don't think they can. I, I bro, they 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 better pull the reins, rock, uh, you know, had out of their pocket a WrestleMania, or else, like, I don't even know what to say. I, I mean, what 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 else do we have? They're going to go to. It's going to be reins and rock. Or Reigns and Lesnar. That's the only th- reason I think Paulie's in that equation. And they're going to bring back Edge to go with Orton. And then, and then there's the question. Okay, guys. And then what do we do when that's over? You're right back to where you started. Nothing else is being built. Nothing. No, no, there's not. It's just, it's. I can't believe what's happened to to Raw and just how bad it is. How much you how much of it? And I'm sorry, John. I know I'm asking questions, and that's your job. But I can't help myself. When you look at uh, the three hours of Raw events, how much of a factor is that? Is uh, I mean, you've had to deal with three hours before. I'm going to tell you this, Jason. To be honest with you, it's it's huge. It's huge. That that everybody likes SmackDown better. They they don't realize. A big reason they like SmackDown better is it is an hour shorter. They don't realize that. But Jason, I will also tell you this. When I started at WCW, Nitro was three hours. Jason, with that roster, bro, I had no problem booking the three hours. I I mean, I think we did about 11 or 12 three-hour shows there was never a problem booking those shows. The, you look at Raw and you can just see stretching it out, stretching it out to fill time, to, to fulfill the commitment. Man, and maybe part of the problem is your split roster. Maybe you don't have enough people to do a compelling three-hour show. Well, you're the ones with the Raw SmackDown brand. You created that, not us. But you can write a compelling three-hour show. They seem incapable these days. Yeah, I agree. And what do you think about Orton and Wyatt? I know we're kind of teasing and joking around about it before, but who's the face? Who's the heel? What are they accomplishing here? I'm, I'm confused on that. Vince, you're Mr. Blur the Lines. I'm going to let you start with this one. Nah, bro, there's, there's no blurring the lines because you haven't given me, like, really a reason to care for either one of these guys. Yeah. And you really haven't given me a reason to hate either one of these guys. So, you know, bro, I hate to say, I hate to say, well, there's not a baby face and a heel, and I don't know who, how, who to root for. Because that is so not Vince Russo. Because the fact of the matter is, bro, we're all shades of gray. Good people do bad things and bad people do good things. All of us. You know, John, you seem like a great guy. I'm sure you've done a couple of bad things. That That's human nature. So, so I believe heavily in shades of gray. So it's not that I need to know who to root for. Bro, I need to care for these people. Yeah. If if I care for them, then I will decide who I'm going to root for. Bro, when I don't give a shit about either performer, it, it doesn't matter to me. Like I ju- like why should I be rooting for Orton? Why should I be rooting the fe- there is no 
emotional connection with either character. Thus, I don't care. I think you nailed it. And there's nothing at stake here. Like what, who cares who wins? Because what, what does it mean? Like one yeah. heel probably beats the other heel. I mean, they may be trying to make Bray Wyatt a baby face, but they're going about it in such a weird way. Alexa Bliss on the same show that Bray kind of looked like he may be a baby face. They had her beat the holy hell out of Nikki Cross. It, it's confusing. It, it is compelling. I give them that it stands out on a really bad show as something that I'm actually like, all right, where does this go? But I don't have any confidence that it's it's going somewhere that's going to make sense. It just feels like, well, we don't know what to do with these two. Let's just feud them with one another for a month, and then it's probably over with. And and where do you go next? You know, Jason, I got to tell you, I was talking. I do a I do a raw SmackDown review with uh, Ben Hamin and Stevie Richards. We just did it before I came on here. I got to tell you, Jason, and I think. I think we have to ask ourselves this question based on what we're seeing. Bro, what is Vince's mental capacity at this point? I know. I mean, what you, you, you listen, I'm not saying that to be mean spirited. No. You, you have to ask yourself that question, bro. If Vince doesn't understand and if Vince isn't working on all of his functions, how in God's name is the audience supposed to understand what we're seeing? It, it really is the question I think so many people try to avoid, but it, it's one that has to be asked right now. I mean, this is a 75-year-old guy who's taken numerous shots to the head, put God knows how many chemicals into his body. Uh, yeah, I, hopefully he's playing with, with a full deck when I hear him on the media calls, I, I, I tend to think eh, some weeks or some months are better than others or quarters, I guess, technically. Uh, he He's out there. You know, I mean, I just, I, I wish you were around him for a stretch of time just to be able to compare the difference because everyone in that company that is close to him is going to be very protective in terms of what they're willing to say about his mental capacity these days. But I, I think it's a very fair question. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I mean, there, there, there's a part of me that like, you know, guys, you got to understand I worked for this guy in it. When, I, I remember when Vince turned 50, I was there when Vince turned 50, bro, you're talking about a guy full of piss and vinegar. I look at him today and bro, I got to be honest with you. My, my heart, my heart kind of, breaks um, because I remember the man that I work with and I'm seeing like just a shell of that man. But it's like on the other side of the coin, guys, I, listen, I'm going to my next birthday in January, I'm going to be 60 guys. As my years go, I slow down. I do less. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tempering, um, you know, what I do with my age, I get tired, I lay down, I take a nap. So there's a part of me that, yeah, man, I, I feel bad. I look at him. He's a former shell of himself. But on the other side of the coin, I know it's 74 years old. This guy is probably working a 90% schedule of what he worked at it at, at 54. 
Yeah. I, I can guarantee you, bro, he is at at least 90% capacity. So then I'm sitting here saying, bro, nobody's telling you you have to do that. You know, no, nobody is saying, Vince, you can only sleep three hours a night. Vince, you got to go on the road. Nobody is telling him that. Now, I understand that's all he knows. But I got to tell you, bro, unless this man thinks he's immortal, bro, the older I get, the more I understand how delicate life is. So when I look at a 74-year-old guy with, with more money than any of us could ever imagine still going at this speed, I'm like, bro, like, do you really believe you are? Immortal? I mean, have you convinced yourself of that? Because no 74-year-old man is working that type of a schedule. So, you know, like I said, man, on one hand, you feel sorry for him. But on the other hand, it's like, bro, like, what the F are you doing? Is he Al Davis or Jerry Jones, the football owners? And, and Al Davis is no longer with us. But in in the sense that he's got all that money. He could easily hire someone to come in and do this job or promote his son-in-law into the position right off into the sunset. Is it the thrill of owning the company isn't so much the profits and everything that comes on that end on the business side. It's that he gets off on the creative side. Jason, that's a great question. Jason, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's that he gets off on the creative side. I think it's ego. I think he gets off on people fearing Vince McMahon, people being afraid to 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 have a conversation with Vince McMahon. And here's why I say this, Jason. I, I swear to you, when I worked at Titan Tower, I was on the second floor. Vince was on the fourth floor. So a lot of times Vince and I would go from the second to fourth floor together. OK, Jason, when Vince and I were on an elevator. And then that elevated door would open on the third floor or, you know, they're getting in on the fourth or the second bro. People's faces would turn white <laughs> what of riding in and out. But here's the thing, Jason, bro. He loved that. He ate that up. He had this, he had this facade of being the guy that everybody fears, that everybody is afraid of, having careers in my hand. I can make you or break you if you say the wrong thing to me. And bro, I think the guy is looking in the mirror and fighting this thing tooth and nail and the only way he can cope with it is by trying to do the same things. I think that's how mentally he copes with the aging, uh, you know, what he's looking like today. If I, if I still do the same job, then I'm still that same guy. That's where I think it comes from. So with everything you just said there, did he ever see the irony when he would talk about how there's nothing he hates more than bullies. Never, never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Because you know what it is, Jason? He, here's what it is, bro. And, and it's comical. And Jason, this is like sometimes why I have heat with dirt cheat writers 
Because, bro, unless you're in that building and unless you're involved in the process day to day, bro, you really don't understand. You, you don't. There is a whole mental psychological game that goes with working in the wrestling business. But here's the thing, Jason, and you brought up a great point. They don't look at themselves as bullies because what they do is they F with people. They F with them. They, they, then they're not mean spirited bullies. They F with them. And half of the time, the talent doesn't even know they're being effed with. And you would just see Bruce and Vince cracking up, going hysterical, knowing we can screw with other. I mean, come on, guys. We just witnessed Lana. What, like, what, what, what do you think that is? Right. That is 100%, you know, screwing with her husband, screwing with her. And, bro, they get off on that. So, like, to them, they're justifying it by doing it in a creative way and not really doing it in a playground bullying way. So to them, it, it, he would rationalize it as what he's doing is business, yes. not bullying. Gotcha. Absolutely. That's how it works, man. I, I remember a perfect example I have. Do you guys remember? I'm sure you do. Bro, remember when Vader got in, in that trouble in Kuwait? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Bro, Vader was scared to death. Like literally, like he had no idea. Are they going to let me go home? Are they going to execute me? Like he had no idea. This is a perfect example. Bro, Vader is ringing Vince's phone off the hook. I'm at Vince's table. I'm sitting there with Vince. And bro, he's not picking up the phone and he's wow. laughing. He's laughing. This is, bro, wow. and again, Jason, the reason why I say this is, bro, you can't believe the mentality unless you're sitting there and you're witnessing what is going on. You, 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 if I told that story to somebody and they only knew the Vince McMahon on TV, oh, Vince Russo's full of shit. No, bro, Vince Russo isn't full of shit. That is the wrestling business, man. That's how it works. Crazy. Such a bully. And it's interesting. Some of the guys Vince gets along with and somebody doesn't, you know, Hogan, Piper, Jesse Ventura, all those guys knew him you know, at a younger age. And they, he's no way in hell. He's ultimate warrior. No way in hell. He's bullying those guys around. So it's interesting kind of his relationship with certain guys versus other guys. Oh, bro. I saw Shawn Michaels own Vince McMahon. A lot of people don't know this, bro, but that run prior to uh, Austin, uh, Sean, what WrestleMania is that? 12, was WrestleMania it? 14. 14. Bro, they weren't talking. I was the go-between. I had to go to Sean. Okay, Sean, this is what Vince wants. And Sean would literally say, well, you go tell Vince. I would have to go to Vince. Well, Vince, they literally weren't talking to each other. But, bro, I've never, I, I mean, out of everybody I ever work with, bro, Sean never cared what he said to Vince's face. And, bro, that was part of the issue. The issue that people don't understand that led into that WrestleMania was, bro, I was there when Sean Michaels carried that company on his back 
when we were going through the Mantars and the Goons and the Freddie Joe Floyds, Sean was the champion. Sean was doing everything they asked him to do, bro. I, I saw it. I witnessed it. All of a sudden, Vince has this new shiny toy in Stone Cold Steve Austin. Bro, I'm sitting there and I'm literally witnessing Vince is just kicking Sean to the curb. He's done with him, bro. I mean, he is done and he is treating him that way. And Sean was smart enough to know Vince and know wrestling and know the game that he knew what was going on. And that's when you had all those problems leading up to WrestleMania 15. And as soon as WrestleMania 15 was over, Sean was gone. And that's what I try to tell young talent today. Bro, you are handing this guy your life on a silver platter. I I would guess that 50% of the athletes employed in WWE right now are probably miserable, miserable. And guys, understand one thing. When he is done with you, he is going to kick you aside and be on to the next person. That's how it works. If you're not making money for Vince McMahon, he is done with you. That's the way it works. And there's always, I mean, you look back historically at at the top guys, Cena may be an exception, but we don't know. Everyone seems to have had a falling out to some degree with Vince McMahon when that time came. Because it's the control, Jason. It is the control. Bro, I witnessed I, I witnessed the beginning of a falling out with Austin. And what was the falling out? Hollywood was calling. So, you know, right away, Austin, bro, I can go work in Hollywood, you know, make as much as I'm making now and not have to break my neck. Yeah, I, I want to go do Hollywood. But in Vince's mind, it's the old, I created you. You would be nothing without me. Now you're going to leave me after I built you and I built your career and I gave you a life and you're going to go do that. That's what it always comes down to, bro. They become bigger than the company and they want to move on. And that's where the control comes in. Were you there for that? I just don't remember the timeline when Rock started having that type of success. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And was Vince resentful? He wasn't resentful, bro, but he'll do everything in his power to try to prevent it from happening. And that's the thing, bro. Bro, you're not you're not going to control a Rock. You, you, the guy's too smart. The 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 very first month I worked with Dwayne Johnson, I, I got to tell you, this is the God honest truth. I knew this guy was smarter than everybody else. And I knew because of that, he was going to be unstoppable. He was smarter than everybody else. So Vince is not going to stop a guy like Dwayne Johnson. He's just, just not going to stop him. But how many people does he stop? Like I even heard a story, Jason, I don't know if you can confirm this or deny this, but I I heard a story that actually Sasha Banks's agent 
set up the Mandalorian meeting. So and, and which the story that I'm told is Sasha wanted to go tell Vince and her agent said, absolutely not. You know, you take this meeting first, see what comes out of this meeting, then we'll go talk to Vince for the exact reason that I'm talking about. Okay, so the only thing I know is what she's put out there publicly. It, what you're saying makes sense. She claims she got the invite because somebody saw her on the Hot One show and right. reached out to her via Instagram, and she actually found the invite there. But what you're saying makes sense because she's not listed as Sasha Banks. There's nothing like that. She goes by her real name in the credits for that. Even in the interviews, it's the real name. They'll mention the Sasha Banks character, but it's very much what she's doing outside WWE. Jason, you want to know how I experienced this firsthand? See, bro, this is like, I, I got to be honest with you. I got to just talk about the dirt sheet community again. This is where it really aggravates me because there I have stories to tell and they, they are really important stories and they can give you a lot, lot of insight. Bro, we never talk about those stories. We talk about Judy Pagwell on a pole. <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about uh, my feud with Jim Cornette. We we talk about the most meaningless, trite BS that I'm sick of. Jason, WWE was so hot at the time that Ed Ferrara was approached by a Fox executive that he worked with. And the Fox executive commissioned me and Ed to write a pilot based on the reality of the wrestling business. I got paid 30 grand to write the pilot. Was that Rope Hopper? Was that, that the same project? Rope that okay. was Rope Hopper. Now, Ed backed out of it early on because he he was already in that Hollywood scene. He didn't want to get into it again. So I wrote the script by myself, and, and, and I think they paid me 30 grand for the script. Now, Jason, keep in mind, I'm not on the contract with the WWE. Right. I don't have a contract with them. So now I tell Vince, Vince, I wrote a pilot for Fox, and this is something I'm really interested you know, in doing. I will do it on my own time, but I know in the back of my mind, bro, if this come if, if this becomes bigger than me writing, you know, for the WWE, I'm going to go do this show. Okay? So, bro, immediately I get the speech, let's do this together. Now, you got to understand, I know what that means. It, it means two things. It means A, Vince is getting control, and it means B, Bro, he's never going to tell the real story of what happens behind that curtain. It's, it's going to turn into a cartoon. He's, he's, he's not going to do that. So, uh, you know, he goes, Vince, 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 just let me read the script. Okay. So I said, okay, Vince, no problem. I'll let you read the script. I'll never forget this, bro. He reads the script. He comes back to me, gives me the script. Bro, there is red magic going across every freaking page, every page, every page. And, and bro, that, that was the beginning of the end 
of me leaving. I wanted to do this show. I wasn't going to do this show with Vince. I was going to do it on my own. That was the beginning of me leaving the WWE. And then he decided to add SmackDown and not chose not to compensate you would add for the extra work if memory serves. Well, not, not only not compensate us, uh, Jason, not tell us. That, that was really the kicker. The kicker wasn't – see, that, that's the thing, bro. That was not a money deal. It was never about the money. It was Ed and I knew what we were putting into Raw. And we knew, bro, we cannot put this same effort forward in another two-hour show. We, we, we just couldn't do it. And because we were so prideful of our writing, bro, we didn't want to water it down. So we don't want to water raw down. And, you know, we would want SmackDown to be the best that it could be. So it was really a combination of him, A, never even asking us. And then B, we knew we would have to bastardize our work. And we did not want to do that. Did he ever consider the idea of like, okay, you guys stick to Raw, bring somebody else in for SmackDown? He, if he did, Jason, he never brought it up to us. Hmm. And then he told you to get a nanny, right? Exactly, and that was that's right. I mean, that was the, I mean, that was the nail. I mean, that as soon as those words came out of his mouth, I mean, it, I was, it was over. So I wanted to bring up this point. This has nothing to do with with McMahon or WWE or anything, but Vince Russo, you have made a, a nickname for Jason. And Jason, I know me and you have talked about this before. Marbles, Marble Mouth. Jason, what did you think about that nickname? I know at first you were like, okay, this guy, I'm going to have to sue this guy. Something's up. You know, I'm pissed. What, like, what did you think about that nickname? Yeah, so I heard about the, the castrating the Mark show. And it wasn't so much suing about the nickname. It was... <laughs> All right, I got. I got to listen to this. Is there, you know, how bad is, is is this a hit job? Is there something? Do I need to hire a lawyer? And I listen, and it's like, no, there, there's nothing. The marbles thing. I, I mean, the only thing I can say is that I do have like terrible hearing. Um, I, awesome story. I went to the doctor to get my hearing checked, and they go through the whole thing. And at the end of it, um, the lady is like, "You have, I think, I want to say it was." 90s and 95s on whatever their test is. And I'm like, oh, my hearing must be better than I thought. And she says, no, it's supposed to be like fives and tens or something. Oh, uh, I think it's, it was just brutal. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I do have a marble mouth. I don't know. <laughs> but listen, bro, come on. Jason won us over in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> in two weeks, we were clamoring for more. Jason, because, bro, like, I swear to God, you, I listened to all those clips of all those guys. How, how, and why is it that this is the only guy with a sense of humor? Like I, 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 I don't. I swear to God, bro. You, you look at these dirt sheet writers, and they all just have the same tendencies and the same personalities and you know just like i said bro everything is so serious we 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 can't laugh about anything jason here's the part that blows me away i and i want you to know this jason i have contacted these guys publicly one-on-one -on -one. 
I've sent emails to Meltzer. I sent emails to Keller. I've sent the emails. And I'm like, guys, you could talk about me and bury me and say all kinds of things about me that you want. Okay. I prefer to have a man to man, one on one conversation. And I even go as far as to say, guys, I am putting in writing. I am not going to cut a promo on you. I am not going to cuss you out. What I really want to understand is your mindset. I want to get in the head of a Dave Meltzer. What, why is this so important? Why are you watching this 20? I really want to understand. I have begged these guys, please have a conversation with me. And I put in writing and I said, you have it in writing from me. If I cut a promo on you and I start degrading you, whatever you think it is that I'm going to do, then I am a liar because you've got in writing. I'm telling you, I'm not going to do that. But it's like, bro, after 20 years, they they, they continue to talk about me weekly. The, The stuff Bruce Mitchell says about me, I mean, bro, you talk about suing somebody. If I really cared... But it's like, I, can you guys not have a conversation with me? I, I, I don't understand what the issue is. I, I want to understand. I want to be fair to you. I want to get in your head and find out why this stuff is so important, why you never laugh. I want to understand. But my God, bro, it is hard when no matter what, they will not have a face-to-face with you. And, bro, the funny thing is, neither will Cornette and neither will Eric Bischoff. And, I, and I'm sitting here, I'm saying, bro, I'm willing to talk to anybody. I've got nothing to hide. I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to treat you like a human being, which I proved on my show with John Arezzi. I had a show like that with John Arezzi and me and John had a great show and we were honest and open with everything. And to this day, John and I still talk. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, no, I, I love John, but I'm always, I'm always plugging John. You know, I love John, but the fact is, bro, we accomplished exactly what I'm always offering. So what, what, what is it telling me? When none of these guys want to have a conversation with me, what 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 is that telling me? I think in some cases probably scorched earth. You know, there's a lot of history there. I I don't know if you've tried this approach. Maybe that's what you're referring to. I'm not sure. I'd actually rather than hey, let's do this on the air. If you really want to talk to these people, do it off air. You know, have a phone conversation where it's just you know the two of you, whoever, whichever personality you're speaking of. And you know what, Jason, I have no problem with that, but I'd be lying to you if I, if I didn't tell you, I would be afraid of how they would spin that. Hmm. 
that that that's 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 really the issue because it's not that I want to showboat and do it on air because I've offered to do it on their air. What whatever you want to do, guy, I'll do it on your show. This isn't about me profiting or making money. First of all, it's good podcasting, which is something we should all understand. This could be really good, entertaining podcasting, and I like to put out good content. But it's not about money. It's not about coming on my show. But you know, you are right about that. But I I wouldn't trust these guys on what the you know, what, what the spin would be when they tell a story that we've talked. I mean, I would just approach it as we're not even going to reference this publicly. This, yeah. this is just between us completely off record. Yeah. And have that conversation. Yeah. And you know what, Jason, that's a, uh, that's a great, great, great suggestion. And I, I would not be opposed to doing that. And by the way, I'm, I'm used to Jr. What the hell's with you in the Sooner jersey? Oh, I actually saw this at the uh, I saw this at a thrift store for four ninety nine, and nice. I I am going to wear this out of respect for Jr. I mean, literally, that's that's why I got the jersey. I like it. Yeah. So with all the you know the quote unquote dirt sheet guys, you know the the Meltzers and the Kellers, Jason, how, why do you think that they won't talk to him at all? Though I know you're saying scorched earth this and that, but. Are they really getting mad that he's joking around, kind of making fun of them and castrating the marks? I mean, you talk to some of these guys. I mean, are they really mad at him, or is it partially in gimmick? Are they afraid that their fan base doesn't like Vince, that it'll it'll hurt the fan base? Is there another kind of reason? I can't speak for everybody because I just don't have a relationship with with Dave Meltzer, Brian Elvers. I mean, we've emailed and been cordial. It's nothing, you know. There's nothing wrong there, but I can't speak for those guys with Wade and Bruce. I'm hesitant to speak for them because, you know, probably say something out of turn, but I do, you know, there's been bad feelings for a lot of years. And I I think from their perspective, there's been some things that have been misleading um, that that Vince has put out there. Um, I don't, what, I mean, let me just ask you, Vince, what happened with you and Wade? Because I honestly don't know. You guys seem, based on my understanding, you got along fine during the ultimate insiders. I'll I'll tell you exactly what happened, Jason. We got along fine doing ultimate insiders. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you know, he started like taking these shots at me and I'm like, okay, like I don't, bro, I don't go on my shows and talk about these guys. First of all, I don't listen to their shows. So the only time is castrating the marks. And, bro, we're laughing at what, like, bro, Keller loves to cut everybody's promo for them. <laughs> yeah. like, bro, that's funny. I'm, I'm not, bro, I don't, I don't go on the, oh, wait, I hate this guy. Screw, oh, no, bro, we're, we're listening to Wade do The Undertaker, which I got right here on my <laughs> roadcaster. And we're, we're having fun with it. We're laughing at it. I'm not ripping Wade as an individual. I don't know anything about Wade. So, bro, the next thing I know is Matt Kuhn really thought he could bring me together with the dirt sheet world. And I was open to it, Matt. If you could do that, great. I'm 100% open with it, okay? So Matt was trying to, you know, smooth things out and get lines of, of communication going. And, bro, he just told me that Keller turned around and, like, just cut a promo on on Matt about 
what a homophobe I was and I was homophobic and I hate gay people and this and that. And I'm like, bro, what the freak are you talking about? And, and here's what I did, Jason. I wrote Wade. And I said, Wade, with all due respect, Matt said, you think I'm a homophobe? I hate gay. like, bro, can you please explain to me? Why you feel this way? Because, bro, I don't. I if you if 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 you know if you're a homosexual, if you're not, bro, that's got no bearing on my life. That doesn't affect my life. I, bro, in the wrestling business, I worked with every sort of person you could imagine. Everybody, bro, I had to work with the entire gamut. I would not be have been able to do my job if I had prejudiced. So I was like, wait, can you just smarten me up and let me know what I did or what I said to make you feel this way? Bro, nothing. Nothing. Hmm. Silence. No. So like, so, you know, again, Jason, it's like, okay, bro. So how am I supposed to work with that? You, you've convinced yourself somehow, some way, I'm homophobic. I hate gay people. You refuse to have a conversation with me about it. So at this point, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Why does it matter so much to you to have these conversations? Let me ask you that because, I mean, there's people in the wrestling industry that dislike me for whatever reason. In fact, there's somebody in a high-ranking position that just likes to pretend like I, I don't exist and won't respond to a DM. I just shrug it off and say, you know, well, oh, well. You know, Jason, maybe it's because, I don't know, bro, maybe it's because of the Italian heritage. Uh, maybe it's because of coming from that Italian family. Bro, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I, I am transparent through and through, bro. That's why I'm not in the wrestling business. I'm not in the wrestling business anymore because I'm not a politician and, and I'm too freaking honest. Honesty does not work in the wrestling business. It doesn't work. And that's why I'm on the outside looking in. But my point is Jason, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I, I don't, I don't want people to dislike me. I, I, I like to get along with people. I like people to like me. And when people don't like me, bro, it, it affects me and it bothers me. And I, I want to understand why, why don't you like me? You, you don't know me personally. We've never hung out together. You have no idea what type of a man or individual I am. So are you telling me, you don't like me because of the way I booked a wrestling show? Like, is, is that what this is about? So I don't feel that these people have a reason to not like me. So when they make it clear that they don't like me and I'm a liar and I'm this and I'm that and I'm all these things, I just want to understand why you feel that way. That's yeah. If if Wade honestly feels that Vince Russo is a homophobe, well, Wade, I I think you should at least give me a explanation or a reason why you feel that way. 
That's was all. there was there ever anything said on castrating the marks or something? Never, bro, never. I'll tell you one that did irritate me, Vince, early on <laughs> listening to the show. Yeah. It had nothing to do with me. But it was I won't even I'm not even gonna mention the writer's name because I, I just don't think it's fair to him. You were really going after someone's personal appearance. And I thought, yeah, I mean, I know, hey, I, I like having a lot of fun and saying all sorts of shit too, but you just never know what somebody's going through when it comes to something like that. And I think you called him a swamp monster or something. And I just thought, you know, that that's, it's beneath you, Vince. I, I just didn't care for it. Not saying I, you don't have the right to do it. I just thought it was beneath you. And you know what, Jason, I, here's the problem. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Okay. But Jason, like the problem is, and I got to get better at this. I got to get better at this, bro. You can talk all day you want about my creative because I understand these guys, their biggest issue with me is this. I brought entertainment into wrestling. That that's it. Okay. They, they somehow somewhere along the line, these guys have convinced themselves that wrestling is real, that the matches are real that we're going to rate these matches on a star system, that these matches need to go 20 minutes. They don't like entertainment. And that's what I brought to wrestling. So I don't have a problem with that. The problem I have is when you now take that and now you make it personal. I mean, Dave Meltzer talks all the time about what a failure he, and he, he uses the word, what a failure Vince Russo was in the wrestling business. And I'm like, okay, they failure based on what? What, what, what are we basing failure on? Because you sure as hell aren't basing them on the numbers. So what are we basing them on? But here's my point, Jason. When they make it personal and they start with, with just bald face lies, and the stuff they're saying is just a lie. M Meltzer saying, I was the reason, you know, TNA uh, and, and, and Spike did not renew their contract when I was just a consultant for TNA. I, I was the reason that Spike didn't uh, renew the contract because they hated Vince Russo so much. Bro, I was a consultant. Do you really think I had anything to do with that? Do you not think if I wasn't the issue spike just wouldn't have said to tna guys listen we want to renew the contract but we don't like vince russo working with you as a consultant we would appreciate if you didn't use his services so, bro that's common sense but, but so, so why did dixie hide that then bro do you want to know why dixie hide it yeah i don't know for a fact but here's my belief do you know why i think she hided it because of the lashback from the dirt sheet media. That's why she hit it. That's think, exactly why she hit it. I have a terrible memory, but I believe the story was that she hit it because they wanted, Spike wanted nothing to do with you. Listen, is that, is that not accurate? Jason, I could tell you this. And again, bro, the, these are the things I never get asked because they want to have their narrative. Since since Meltzer put out there, Russo was the reason they didn't renew. Meanwhile, when when Meltzer got pressed, Meltzer admitted Jim Cornette gave him that story. And guess what? Cornette wasn't even working for TNA at the time. 
So, of, of course, Jim Cornette is going to make Vince Russo the blame for that. I was told, Jason, here's what was happening. I was consulting. I wasn't allowed to tell anybody that that was Dixie's mandate, not mine. I didn't make up the rules. Okay. John Gaborik, bro, was bringing me along step by step by step to bring me back on a full-time basis. It started with, um, you know, just John and I talking on the phone. Then it started with me meeting, meeting creatively with the writing team. I was meeting with Lagana. I was meeting with Conway. Then it was Vince call, call Kurt and go over this with Kurt. He was taking me step by step. Okay. Prior to, you know, the thing blowing up over, you know, Johnson prior to that, bro, John Gaborik told me now, bro, could John be lying? Of course he could be lying. I don't know if John was lying or not. Do I think he had any reason to lie? No, I don't. I I believe what he told me was true, bro. A couple of weeks before, you know, this thing blew up, John told me before he went to TV, Vince, I'm going to tell Scott Fishman that you're working with us. He kept taking step by step by step by step. He came back from TV and he told me, Vince, I had the conversation with Scott. He was very happy to hear that you were back working with us. I told Scott that I'm working you back into play step by step by step by step. So John was basically like, bro, that's another big hurdle that we're by. We'll just keep moving forward. Okay, Hmm. bro, that's the truth. And that's the story. And and again, so what 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 story comes out of the dirt sheets? Oh, Spike found out I was a consultant, so they got pissed off, so they decided not to renew their contract. Bro, the reason they didn't renew the contract was because Dixie went in there negotiating, and Dixie went in there asking for more money than she probably should have, and they said no. And then Dixie tried to backpedal off of that number. Jason, do you want to know what, do you want to know why Spike never, never, never continued on with TNA? You want, you want to know the reason? Sure. I, 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 Jason, I'm telling you when Gaborik was hired in TNA. Okay. First thing he did was get rid of Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, he sent Jeff home. Okay. And Jason, I'm reading this on the online, like everybody else. The second thing he did, he sent Eric Bischoff home. Now, Jason, you've got to understand if anybody knows Eric, Eric was the executive producer of, of TNA. Eric was talking to Spike representatives on a daily basis. How Eric works is he works people to thinking that he is invaluable and irreplaceable and knows everything, but everybody else doesn't have a clue. 
So while Eric is putting himself over to Spike and Spike executives and saying, bro, I know he tried to get me, you know, he, he tried to get me out as a writer. I know that for a fact. He was burying Dixie Carter. And, bro, the fact of the matter is he won over Spike. He worked Spike. Spike believed Eric was the be-all, end-all. Bro, when I read that Gaboric sent home Eric Bischoff, I was like, bro, that th- they're done. They're done. Because Eric had such a great relationship with Spike, they're done. Now, Jason, I'll tell you one step further, and these are the things that nobody ever asks me, okay? So, bro, now they send Eric home, and Eric is still on payroll. But now they bring me in as a consultant, okay? So, you know, Dixie is still paying Eric, so she has to make sure he's doing something to earn his pay. So what does she ask Eric to do, bro? She asks Eric to write a synopsis of every Impact show. (laughs) <laughs> now, now, now keep this in mind, Jason, I'm getting these synopsises. I'm getting them. They're coming to me. I'm getting them, bro. Eric is just obliviating everything on the show. Like everything. He's not putting one thing over. And guess what, bro? He's sending those reports directly to spike. Oh, Exactly, bro. Exactly. So Eric is still influencing Spike, bro. You see how bad this show is, and especially with me not there. And now Russo's a consultant, yada, 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 yada. He still has a pipeline to Spike. And then all of a sudden, they're supposed to renew the contract. Uh, Spike doesn't renew the contract. And Vince Russo is the reason why? Like, are you effing kidding me? That's the heat, bro, with the dirt sheets. When, bro, if we can come up with a scenario like this is Russo's fault, we're going to put all the heat on Russo. Now, getting back to what I originally told you, I have a huge character flaw of when I am lied about personally, you know, know, called a failure, And, you know, bro, I, I was the reason WCW went out of business. I, I killed the wrestling company. You know, when I get all that stuff, I tend to lose my temper and especially on castrating the moss because Jason, I'm not hearing that stuff beforehand. So when, when Jeff plays a Bruce Mitchell clip and it's just the distortion after the distortion after the distortion and it's personal. Yeah, bro. Then I lose my temper and then, yeah, bro. I wind up saying things I regret later, but that's, that's, that's on me. That's my temper. That's something I need to work on, but I, I agree with you 100%, but bro, it is so hard when for 30 years, 25 years, these tall tales are just being told 
over and over and over again. Meanwhile, bro, nobody calls me. Hey, Vince, uh, how were you involved in the uh, in, in the TNA uh, spike negotiations? Were you the reason, Vince, that Spike didn't renew the deal? N- no one calls me. Would you, you have know? taken their call at the time? Absolutely. I mean, things have been pretty damn tense between you and some people in the industry. Jason, I would take their call now. Okay. I mean, that that's what I'm telling you. I would take their call now. You can talk to me now. But it's, you know, it's like, you know, bro, it's like if we can find a way to end around it to Russo, that's going to be the story. And, bro, we are going to stick to it. We're not going to talk to him. We're not going to let him deny it. We're not going to let him poke holes in it. Bro, Meltzer, bro, I, I went to Lucha Underground, Jason, to get content for my website. That's it. To get content for my website. I went to Lucha Underground. Next thing I know, oh, bro, I've, I've, got, I've got meetings with people I never even heard of. I never heard of the people that, that Dave Meltzer said I had meetings with. What did I do, Jason? I wrote to Dave. Dave, I went to Lucha Underground, Dave, to get content. I had no meetings. I don't even know the people you're talking about. Dave, can you please um, you know, say that story was incorrect. There were no meetings set up. I met with nobody. Did you email him or did you blow him on, tw- on Twitter or something like this? I, I emailed him. I okay. personally emailed him. Again, Jason, nothing. So, okay, bro. Like, I'm telling you, it didn't happen. So, what, what, what are you saying, Dave? Every word that comes out of my mouth is an absolute lie. Why would I lie about that, bro? If I had meetings with the people at Lucha Underground, I would say I had the meetings with the people unless they told me not to. But, you know, that's the thing, bro. After years and years and years of this, and then, like I said, bro, it's always, okay, guys, whenever you want to talk, whenever you want to have a conversation, let me know. And, and, And they just run the other way. It's frustrating, bro. I mean, it's 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 just it's very very frustrating. And the I mean, uh, TNA thing. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Jason, but the TNA thing. Mike Johnson, who was obviously all over that story for many reasons, but he admitted you had nothing to do with it, and that it was Dixie and Spike. It was it was between them, and it, you had nothing to do with it. So you know, at least that came out. But I don't think I, I ever saw Meltzer no. retract anything. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, and, and like I said, bro, I got, listen, I'm a hothead sometimes. I'm not going to lie. When, when I hear these things and I know they're bullshit, you know, like anybody else, I get mad and, you know, call it the Italian temper, call it what you want, but it's like, bro, you, you can't say stuff like that about people and then refuse to talk to them and then label yourself a journalist like bro what journalist does that jason every time i do a show if i talk about somebody's promo if i talk about somebody's in-ring performance whatever it is that i talk about in the back of my mind i know vince when you say this you do know that you can hear from them and you do know that they can take exception to it. And you do know that they might want to discuss it with you. Right. Bro, I know that with everything I say, I know that. And, and, and I'm willing to still say it because, bro, at the end of the day, it's just my opinion. 
but you can't continue to talk about a guy and then refuse to have a conversation with him. And then, yeah, bro, I'm a journalist. No, bro, you that that's not how journalism works, man. I think the most two most important questions that I have for Jason Powell. One, have you ever been to Cork and Hall? <laughs> no, I have not. Jason, have and, you ever heard that clip, Jason? Uh, uh, Jason, hold on. <laughs> Jason, this is one of the uh this is one of the favorite clips on the show. You ready? Jason, you're sure. looking. All right, here we go. Now, Jason, tell me this isn't funny. Now, uh, seriously, you're going to get pissed off if I play this clip. Here's the clip. Well, play. everything's Cork and Hall. So if you stay at Cork and Hall, you're going to walk. It's a 20-minute train ride. Yeah. But, Jason, come on. You're going to get mad at me because of that. What is that? That's Meltzer, who doesn't have a voice because he was screaming at his TV over New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he's still trying to do his show, but he can't talk. Well, oh, now, all right. In fairness, was he screaming at his TV or was he ill? Yeah. What? No, he he had laryngitis or something. He he was doing a show with Jim Valley all about Japan and where to go. Yeah, so I remember they both yeah. got sick over there. Yeah. I mean, yep. It's still it, it's pretty fucking common. Now, now, Jason, you, are you going to get mad at me over this? This, this is an innocent clip I got on my roadcast. Tell, tell me, is this worth getting hot over? Here we go. Rest in Peace. Jason, that's Wade Keller doing The Undertaker. That's comedy gold. Uh, and you're going to get hot at me for that? No. no and All I know right. Wade, believe me, he's doing it for the entertainment of his listeners, too. He, he's, I, I, now, I can't speak to every promo that he's ever recited that you're talking about. But. When you talk to Wade, I don't, bro, listen, obviously Wade must have heard something from somebody else. Because I, I've never had a conversation with Wade about his sexual preference or I've never had that conversation because, quite frankly, I don't care. Like, it doesn't affect me. But the fact of the matter is, bro, when somebody to me, that's not you're a hack writer, you're a failure, you're this bro. When you start going down that homophobic, racist, when you start going down that road that's a very, very dangerous road. And bro, un unless I knew somebody and unless I knew without a shadow of a doubt, you know, this person is racist. This person is this bro. Never in a million years would I ever label anybody anything like that. So when, 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 when he labels me that bro, that hurts me. I mean, that really, really hurts me because I'm not that guy, bro. And I don't know what you heard from who, but I mean, God, wait, I actually uh, at the last promotion I worked with, bro, I actually worked with two transgender women. And, bro, I had conversations with them for hours upon hours trying to understand and trying to get in their head and trying to learn about the process. So when you say something like that to me that I think is pretty serious, bro, can you like at least tell me why you think that? That you know that that, that that's all, bro. We're we're all freaking human beings. And I say this all the time, Jason, and I say this, John, I don't hate these people. Why would I hate Dave Meltzer? Why why would I I don't hate these people? They are very entertaining people to me. 
The stuff that they say is very entertaining and we have fun with it. And, you know, bro, it, it is what it is. But man, this world would be a lot better off if we could just communicate with each other. Were you homophobic at one time in your life? At one time? Yeah. Never. Never, bro. I mean, never. Now, I, I, I mean, never. Bro, it goes back to the, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the Mexican. It goes back to 1999 and the racist spin, bro. When I said, bro, it's extremely hard to get Mexican wrestlers over because of the communication barrier. Number one, a lot of them don't speak English. And number two, a lot of them wear masks. So you can't even see the emotion. So you eliminate the, the language, you know, because the, the, the American fan can't understand what they're saying. You eliminate the emotion, emotion because of the mask. As a writer, it is very difficult to get Mexican wrestlers, Japanese wrestlers over on a on on a, on the main stage. It's because of the language barrier. I explained it clearly, bro. Up, oh, he's a racist. And what did they do, bro? They they took the comments they needed to frame me as a racist. Meanwhile, bro, you ever hear any of the boys? In, in all three companies I worked with, you ever hear any of the boys call me a racist? You ever hear any of the boys say, oh, Vince, Vince held me down because I was Mexican or Japanese or black? You ever hear any of the boys say, yeah, bro, Vince, Vince held me down when he found out that I was a homosexual? Like, c- come on, bro. I, I mean, th- that's, that's the shit that I'm talking about. And if you're right and I'm wrong, and I'm the liar, then, bro, you should be salvating at the chops to expose me. Expose me, bro. Have a conversation with me. Expose me to the world. You should be salvating at that opportunity. Now, I just have one other question for for Jason. This is very important because I love Meltzer. I, I think he's great at what he does. But have you ever heard his Dennis Miller story? I don't know. Hold on. You, you will now, Jason. Hold on. Jason, you got one of these roadcasters? No. You need one. It's funny. All right, here we go. You ever hear? Now, bro, you're going to get hot at me because this is a clip on my soundboard. Seriously. Oh, that's not it. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, where is it? Vince, Vince is trying to find this. Yeah, I, I just clip. had a <laughs> You know the story, don't you? Here no. We go. What did you do? You don't know the story about me and Dennis Miller? See, you're going to get hot in the world. <laughs> Come on, bro. Like, these guys, the problem is these guys can't laugh at themselves. Like, that's the freaking problem, bro. So what's the story? The story is, bro, <laughs> the story is Meltzer was somewhere near Grumman's Chinese Theater, okay? And these kids were playing football somewhere on the streets of Hollywood. All okay. right. All of a sudden, at the Rock's point, movie premiere. At the, Rock, the Rock's movie premiere. Yeah, the Rock's movie. This is at the Rock's movie premiere. Grumman's Chinese theater. There's a there's a touch football going on in the street in front of the theater. 
Somehow Meltzer becomes a part of the game with these kids. Okay. So now Meltzer is lining up in the wide receiver slot. Okay, bro. So now Meltzer goes for the down and out. Okay. So Meltzer goes for the down and out, catches the pass, turns around, and runs over Dennis Miller. Like, that's the story. <laughs> now, come on. Like, like, Jason, that's a freaking funny, entertaining story that I would love to talk to Dave Meltzer about. Yeah, it sounds like something out of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll never have that opportunity to talk to, you know, Dave. Ah, uh, so funny. And Dave, you know, he re- he recited the story. So that's directly from Meltzer himself, that story. That's great. That's fun. So, Jason, how would you describe Vince Russo? Vince said you are the most entertaining. You're the funniest wrestling journalist. He, you're his favorite. How would you describe Vince? Oh, God. Um, where to begin, Vince? Um, I, I I don't even know. It's because you've – to start where you did, going from – you ran I, – correct me if I'm wrong. You did the video rentals initially. Well, I, I owned, I, I owned yeah. two stores on Long Island, yes. And then you hook up with John Arezzi. Right. And and I'd love to hear that episode because I've heard. Well, should, bro, it's a great episode. You should hear it, Jason. Yeah, I episode. actually would love to hear that. And it's the kind of episode I would love to have with every one of these guys. So I feel, I mean, definitely a jack of all trades to go from doing that to working for WWE as a writer to becoming part of Vince's inner circle, not just, I mean, today there's 500 writers and some of them probably, you know, don't spend much time at all with Vince, but to be right there in the thick of things um, to now, I mean, just life after wrestling with the podcasting, I, I don't really have a label for it, but it's, it's been impressive. I also feel like there is a, a tendency to be the victim I, because I think there's things that ha- I, I don't think it's just entirely we, we've listened to your side today Vince but I, I don't think it's entirely lopsided and everybody just dislikes you for no good reason I think they all have their reasons I don't pretend to know all of them but it's usually just not the way things go where it's just somebody just genuinely dislikes you and, and when you ask them why they don't know there, there's no real reason for it they have to have reasons and so there is a little bit of a, a victim tendency here, Vince, that, that I'm picking up on when it comes to just your well, personality. Jason, I can understand what you're saying. I yeah. do understand that. But Jason, I got to tell you, from my POV, bro, it's hard to dislike somebody you don't know. Sure. Which is the reason I don't dislike any of these guys. I don't dis. I don't know them. So, like, you know, what, what you're saying is there has to be a reason Bro, they don't know me. I've never worked with them. We've never worked in the same company. We've never had conversations. So I, I'm just, I'm looking at my- you, You've never spoken with Dave Meltzer? Because I mean, oh, I know you have with Wade because Ultimate Insiders, but with, yeah, bro, with Dave- maybe, maybe, maybe two conversations, maybe. Okay. So so like my, my point is like, I'm I'm kind of putting myself in their shoes and I'm like, Dave, I can't dislike you and hate you because I don't know you. I I don't know Brian. I don't know these guys. So it's like when when you, I I hear what you're saying about the victim, but when you're saying 
it has to be something. I mean, my God, Jason, what could it be if there was never kind of, if there was never any kind of a personal relationship or working circumstances? I mean, these are guys that have literally been writing about me for 25 years. So that that's where, like, I agree, bro. And, and you know what, Jason, I do feel like I am the victim. And I'll tell you why I feel like I'm the victim. Because, bro, you talk all this shit and then you won't talk to me. You, you won't ask me. You won't get my side. You won't get my opinion. I mean, bro, think, think about this like in a court of law. You know, Vince Russo is accused of a crime. So we're going to put the accuser on the stand, but we're never going to hear from Vince Russo. So, yeah, bro, that that does make me feel like the victim. When, when you say something about me, but won't say it to me, you make me feel like a victim. Because, bro, I'll tell you right now, there isn't anything I would ever say about anybody that I wouldn't say to them. Nothing. So I, I hear the victim part, but you know what, bro? Like I said, to never hear from me and have this narrative for 20, 25 years, bro, I got to be honest with you. I feel that sets me up as the victim. Hmm. But I could I could be wrong, but that's the way I view it. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna talk smack about me, bro, bro, at least have a set to say it to me, man. So much. The only other thing I have really to say about all of it is so much time has passed now since you work directly in the wrestling industry. I mean, you are to a point with with the brand but directly as a writer where they would have a need to criticize you or your, your writing, what, what have you. At, at some point, if they don't want to have a conversation with you, do you just throw your hands up and move on? I mean, you can continue to do the you yeah, know, fun well, stuff with castrating, but I mean, is it healthy to keep worrying about what these people think of you? Well, Jason, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Like, honestly, I'm not worried about it, but it's like, bro, it's nonstop. It, it's like, it's like, bro, yesterday, freaking Bischoff does a whole show about me yesterday. Now I'm hearing, bro, th th he's telling a story from 2010. So, okay, bro, it's 10 years ago now. I left TNA in 2012. I've not been associated with the company for eight years. So now, Meltzer, you know, now, now Bischoff's going on his podcast telling a story of how in 2010, he had me demoted. He had me demoted as the head writer of TNA. It's like, bro, that never happened. So well, uh, we, I mean, it doesn't probably be just look at it and go, oh, good. Now I have something to talk about on my show. I can offer my rebuttal. And I'm, I'm, no, I should do that, Jason. I should. And, and I, I wish I could. But I'm more like, okay, okay, Eric, if you're going to say that, then, bro, say it to me so I can tell you directly that that's bullshit. Now, the only, the only reason why I would think that you wouldn't say that to me 
is because it is bullshit, bro. Because if you were telling the truth, you should look forward to to uh, exposing me as a liar. But see, that's the problem, bro. We 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 get clips of Mitchell every single week, bro, going out of his way on his show to shoehorn my name in the show. And it's just like, bro, I'm just I'm sorry, man, but it gets freaking old. It just it just gets old. And should I be able to control my temper more and not go into promo? Yes, I should be able to do that. And that is something that I need to work on. Do you think your followers have made things worse, have strained those relationships in some way? Not all of them, but the ones that are quick to go to social media and attack. Oh, yeah, bro. But you, yes, I, I definitely do, Jason. But Jason, you've got to understand, bro, I only know a handful of them. Sure. You know, I've, I've got 67,000 followers. Bro, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what they're saying. But I will tell you this. When it is somebody that I do know, bro, I will go into DM and I will call them off and I will say, stop. Have you asked on your show? I I remember there was an issue with Satin and his girlfriend, and and I don't remember the specifics, but did you specifically ask your followers, hey, stop doing this? Absolutely. But that that was the whole thing. You know, that that was another instance, bro. Bro, we, we showed a picture on castrating the marks. And it was Satin and the girlfriend were really were wearing wearing really weird masks, and they were making out. So it was like a very disturbing picture. <laughs> so, you know, we bro, keep in mind, I don't know the girlfriend, I don't know her name, I know nothing about her. We commented on the disturbing picture. Okay, so bro, now Satin goes online and says. You ready for this, bro? His girlfriend is now receiving death threats from brand members. Okay, bro, like over a picture we put up. So what what do I do, Jason? Ryan, I'm sorry. Send me those messages. Let me look at those messages. I will get a hold of those people if they are indeed doing it. Sure. And I will tell them to stop. So what happens, Jason? Not what he sends me, not one message, not one. So what there, there's no proof of anything that he's saying. Okay. Next thing I know, Jason is he is telling his listeners to contact podcast one and tell podcast one that Vince Russo is sending his listeners after his girlfriend, bro. We just showed a picture. That's all we did. I don't know your girlfriend. I don't even know her name. So now bro, he has all his people contact podcast one telling them I am inciting listeners of the brand to go after his girlfriend. Bro, none of this happened. None of it. And what happens, bro? Podcast One cancels the show. 
doesn't even have a conversation with me. But wasn't you, that a fucking blessing? I, I, I know it definitely <laughs> was. Bro, that, that's how the brand was born. It definitely was because everybody knew, like, bro, that was BS. And they immediately paid the subscription price to come over to the brand. But, I mean, that's the stuff that I'm talking about, man. It's just, bro, communicate, man communicate. You've got a problem with me. Tell me why you have a problem with me and we will talk about it. It's that simple. When, 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 when you refuse and you keep going down that road, bro, all it does is get worse and worse and worse. And Jason, I'm with you. I should throw up my hands and not give a crap and I wish I wasn't so thin-skinned and sensitive. And again, bro, something I need to work on. Fair enough. And guys, I think this has been pretty epic. It's been pretty great to get you guys together. I know it's been hard for Vince to get to communicate with somebody from the wrestling media world. And obviously, it's great to have Jason on, who's probably the easiest guy to deal with out of those guys. I mean, I like them all for the most part. But Jason is definitely the nicest and um, you know easiest to get along with. And he's definitely the funniest uh, you know, and most entertaining. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Yeah, and also, too, I just want to point out, yeah, Jason, I, I've, wanted to, I've wanted to do something with Jason for a long time. And, bro, I also want to point out, you know, bro, listen, me and Matt Kuhn, we started a podcast and because Matt really felt that he could bring me together with these people. And then Matt real, even Matt himself realized like, bro, it, like I, I, I was saying on my show publicly, publicly, Bruce Mitchell. I'll come on your show. You can come on my show. Let's have a conversation. Okay, bro. Mitchell would get again. All- Vince. What? Stop taking that approach. If you really care about what they think, you really want to be like bury the hatchet, whatever. Call them directly. But Jason, but here's you're right. You're right. I agree with you. But here's what I'm getting at. So now Matt, who was friends with Bruce would tell Bruce, Bruce, the guy's willing to talk with you. The guy, whether it's whatever you want to do, the guy's bro, Bruce would literally deny. I I ever said that I would talk to him. He would literally deny that I extended the olive branch. And even Matt was bro. It's on freaking audio. You, You can hear the guy say it. But my point is bro, me and Matt ended our relationship You know, bro, Matt's on that other side. You know, Matt's a big AEW guy. Matt's on, bro, me and Matt Coon have no issues. Me and Matt Coon don't talk about each other. Me and Matt Coon don't bury each other. What what is he doing now? I honestly, bro, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I he's know Conrad's producer. He does all of this uh, back, backstage stuff. Oh, he's he back does, to doing. Okay. I, I just yeah, haven't heard from Matt in a long that. time. So I wasn't but, sure. Yeah. And but, he's doing uh, theme music for AEW. Like he does FDR's theme music. Oh, nice. Good for him. But, but my point is we've never had an issue. We, we don't talk about each other. Matt doesn't say things about me. I don't say things about, you know, Matt and bro. And, and if something did happen, I'm sure we would have a conversation, but Jason, you are right. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe that's the approach I'll try next time. You know, when, when I'll say, you know what, I'm going to get pins and needles, needles and pins and write a nice email and, and, and handle it that way and see what happens. No recording devices, just, you know, total uh, off the record conversation. Yep. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yep. You're right. That's, that's, uh, that's some great advice. 
Now, before we let everybody go, Jason, please give all the plugs for uh, ProWrestling.net and everything you got going on. Yeah, please check out the website. And uh, when I'm not doing this uh, never-ending podcast, I'm kidding, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, updating the site, live coverage of all the major television shows and pay-per-views. Also have a member side of things, with it, which is ad-free. So if you hate all the ads like everybody else, uh, you can go ad-free. And that unlocks all of our audio content all the major shows and pay-per-views reviewed in audio form, the Q&A show, which Vince seems to enjoy, and John seems to enjoy. That's available on Mondays for everybody, the .NET Weekly Audio Show. The list goes on. PWmembership.net is the place for that. But if you uh, have any questions, you want to follow me on Twitter, at ProWrestlingNet. And all that information is available on the main page of ProWrestling.net, too. So if you're not jotting it down, you have no excuse. Get to ProWrestling.net. And Vince, how about you? Well, here's the thing I want to put over ProWrestling.net, too. I don't know how Jason does it because like, bro, like everybody's always sitting at their computer, like waiting for that. Big thing. I don't know how Jason does it. Jason always has the ratings before everybody. Oh no, that's not true, man. Uh, there was it. There was a time, but are you sure, Jason? I am. Yeah. In fact, I'll give Brian Alvarez props. Uh, certainly. I don't know if he does it every other show, but I know he definitely gets them first for uh, the, the Wednesday night battles. Okay, because, Jason, every time I'm looking for a rating, I'll go to several places, not there. Boom. You always, always have it, bro. I appreciate that. But, yeah, yeah I mean, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But for that one, for the Wednesday nights, for sure, Brian's always on top of that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I want to plug, John, is every December we do this. We only do it once a year, man. If you are not a member of the brand and have never been – uh, for the month of December, bro, we order, we we offer a free month, no strings attached, no long term commitment. You can opt out when the month is over, and you'll get a full month. So if you signed up today, I think today's December eighth, you'll get till January eighth, free of charge, cost you nothing. You just have to go to Russo'sBrand.com. Nice. And of course, for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out my website, tmptempire.com. Got a ton of shows on there with Kevin Sullivan, Dr. Tom, Rick Bassman, Just Incredible, uh, the Shane Douglas. The list goes on and on. We got so much stuff going on. Check out some exclusive interviews we had with Sting, the uh, Lance Von Eric interview, Lash LaRue we just put up. So got a lot of rare, good interviews as well. like to thank, of course, Mr. Jason Powell and Mr. Vince Russo for joining me today. This has been kind of like me being Switzerland and getting you guys to you know get along and, and, and agree here to steal Jason's line from earlier. So thank you both so much uh, for joining us. I, I really appreciate this. Hey, and fuck I'm, you, and Vince. I've just waited to say that. I don't want to do a heel <laughs> turn at the end. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say F you. I'm going to, I want to thank Jason. I think Jason gave me some sound advice, re really sound, solid advice. I know there are things I need to work on. And Jason, I am going to take you up on your advice. I want to thank you for that very much. Hey, absolutely. My pleasure. And I hope we can do it again. And you know what? No more talks about the, the wrestling media. Let's just talk some wrestling next time. Absolutely. At 100 and maybe some fantasy sports. 100%. Nice. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>